Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Tuesday, July 31st, 2018. Here today to recap and react to Monday Night Raw from last night, where we begin to see a lot more clear picture in the buildup for some of the rivalries on the Raw side for SummerSlam, especially with Brock Lesnar showing up on Raw for the first time in months. But I'll save uh, talking about Lesnar and Reigns for a little bit later. We'll start with uh, some of the matches that occurred last night, such as Finn Balor going one-on-one with Constable Baron Corbin. Uh Corbin looking to avenge his loss from the last time the two men met at Extreme Rules. And it's interesting here. I'm surprised they keep playing up this dynamic of all Finn Balor's size compared to Baron Corbin. Because they've never played the size dynamic and made Finn Balor seem like an underdog before. Remember, he was the first ever Universal Champion. But throughout this rivalry, they've had Corbin mock Finn Balor, saying, oh, he's too small or too short, calling him a little guy. Uh, Balor insulting uh, Corbin and his new position on Raw, how power's gone to his head, and also how he dresses now. And the interesting thing between these two they've actually had some pretty good matches their extreme uh, uh, rules match uh, was very good in overall quality uh, you didn't have the uh, a uh, kind of clean finish should we say by Balor you kind of left the rivalry open by him getting the roll up victory over Corbin and Corbin's been looking for revenge in uh, the uh, last uh couple of weeks looking to uh, get even in the grand uh, scheme of things here, which he was able to accomplish uh, last night, was able to avoid uh, the coup de grace on um, multiple occasions, able to uh, use his size to uh, avoid a lot of uh, Finn's high-flying maneuvers other than the one dive over the top rope. And after a rather lengthy match, and you, you could tell they were going to give this match some time, they, that they believed in the quality these two guys could put together because there were two commercial breaks throughout the match. After being able to uh, uh, avoid a, a lot of uh, Finn Balor's high-flying stuff, his quick maneuver and uh, Baron Corbin was able to put him away with an end of days uh, seemingly out of nowhere continuing the, this strategy that creative always seems to do the whole 50-50 booking where oh we can't have uh, one guy uh, just completely win the rivalry we have to make things even in the end look, look what they did with Roman Reigns and uh, Bobby Lashley and you know the it probably would have been better off uh, for Balor to get the win here and move on to uh, something else because he he's kind of had a reputation recently of a guy that has not won many big matches and I I can't name the significant rivalry or significant match that 
uh, he's won against a uh, big-time competitor recently, no, legitimately cleanly instead of a quick roll-up or something. So he was probably more needed when this. Plus, you, you have uh, Corbin already as uh, this uh, pest over general manager Kurt Angle. So it's not like a loss would really hurt his uh, credibility as uh, the constable of Monday Night Raw. It's just not kind of a, a weird booking decision. I'm surprised that this is a rivalry that they're going to keep going with. But it seems as though now that each man has won a match, it's something that we're going to see at least go through SummerSlam. I mentioned Bobby Lashley a moment ago, and he's kind of stuck in WWE's version of Purgatory now after being a victim of the 50-50 uh, booking strategy of creative with losing the number one contenders match to Roman Reigns last week because there's really no big rivalry for him right now with Braun Strowman going up against Kevin Owens, yeah, Corbin and Finn Balor at each other, Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre's involvement in that. It, it feels... Almost like now his win over Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules never even happened. So he he's stuck in kind of the same spot he was back in uh, May, heading into June, with the rivalry with Sami Zayn, where they've uh, placed him now in a rivalry with Elias after coming out to interrupt another one of uh, Elias's performance attempts uh, this week. And the no, he, he come comes out to just when Elias uh, was talking about his CD was gonna start uh, ripping uh, some uh, people uh, from the Miami area, including The Rock. And uh, you know, lastly, uh, came out to uh, confront him, and it, instead, uh, Elias got lastly to uh, sing along with him until. He was distracted enough for Elias to attack Bobby Lashley, only for Lashley to fight back and clear the ring, setting up what's going to be a feud between them heading into SummerSlam. And I look at this as a, as a no-win situation for either side here because, you know, the charisma of Elias's character and uh, the fact that he's uh, uh, just... Uh, such a pass, so annoying. Uh, he'll he'll be able to survive a loss, but I don't think it's going to be able to. It's going to help his in ring credibility if he uh, loses uh, another uh, rivalry to uh, a uh, main event level talent. And at the same time, lastly, uh, after having that over underwhelming, as we mentioned below that before that underwhelming program with Sami Zayn in his past. You thought that he had built upon things by beating Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules, and that win has now been thrown away by losing the number one contenders match last week. So both guys are in a spot where whoever loses the program is going to come out looking worse out of the two, and it's kind of a, a no-win situation. It, it's a, a storyline that 
kind of feels like last minute thrown together you, where you look at, oh, neither guy has anything going on right now. So let's just put them together heading into uh, the biggest show of the summer, SummerSlam. And they really did not plan this out well. There should have been some kind of controversial ending last week between Reigns and Lashley, make it a triple threat between them and Brock at SummerSlam for the Universal Championship, not have Lashley having to just settle with being in a rivalry with Elias, who's quickly becoming a main event level star, but you know, a loss for him in this rivalry does uh, no help for him either. We saw the continuation of uh, the rekindled friendship of Sasha Banks and Bailey last night as they took on a real women's team in tag team action. The Riot Squad, uh, Liv Morgan and uh, Sarah Logan, who right now they feel like they're the Miztourage of the women's division. The fact that they keep having a, either singles matches uh, against Ember Moon and losing or having matchups against uh, Sasha Banks and uh, Bailey with uh, usually Ruby Riot ringside, but as we know, she's been gone for several weeks due to an injury. And you saw throughout the match, uh, you know, Sasha Banks was worked over by mostly isolated by the heel team. Eventually, uh, Bailey was able to come in uh, and allowed the babyfaces to take control and uh, sparked uh, their uh, rebound in this match. Also, uh, allowing for uh, Bailey and uh, Banks to get their offense going in the, this match and pull off a victory against uh, the Riot Squad, continuing to. Uh, uh, play off the reunited friendship of Bailey and Banks, even uh, uh, giving them a, uh, a cute little tag team nickname, the Hug and uh, Boss Connection. Is this, is this really the route they're going to go here? We're, we're really going to do this after six months of, of them not getting along and uh, being at each other's throats. They're going to act like the friendship was... Uh, is back together as a well-oiled unit. And hopefully this is all just a swerve until oh, you have a situation where they have one more uh, tag match together and then one of them uh, uh, turns on uh, the other and uh, get and gets in, uh, in a feud for a pay-per-view match, hopefully you know, leading up to a match at Evolution coming up in October because you spent six months here uh, with them uh, at each other's throats and then for the end game to for them to be a tag team partners again and act like oh nothing happened they're still best buddies I mean kind of uh, kind of not cool I mean it's, it kind of feels like a waste of everybody's uh, time to have this uh, match uh, or this uh, with the two of them uh, 
acting as friends again and then for it to not result in an eventual one-on-one match between the two. I mean, maybe they have them team together for a match on SummerSlam or the SummerSlam kickoff show and one of them turns on the other there. But the, after six months, they at each other's necks having problems with each other and then to end as a tag team um, together like nothing happened. Waste of everyone's time because... I've said it countless times. We've seen what can happen with these two in a one-on-one match against each other. Plenty of times in NXT. I don't think they've faced one-on-one yet on the main roster. But if you give them the, the proper time, they can create as good a classics as they did down in NXT up here on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Another kind of interesting week in the tag team division as we saw the continuation of something I'm surprised it's becoming a real feud, Titus Worldwide against the Authors of Pain. And that no one views this as a legitimate rivalry, especially after the Authors of Pain ran through Titus Worldwide in back-to-back weeks um, with relative ease in, in matches that were nothing more than to just kill three or four minutes of your three-hour programming. I mean, that that's the only thing that hurts Monday Night Raw being three hours because you've, you have so much time to fill that you have to sometimes put in stuff that in the long run, it's not going to matter. It feuds that the fans are not interested in. You got to get some of these comedy acts like Titus Worldwide in there to fill some of those spots. Last night, they tried to make us think that this is going to become an actual feud, a legitimate thing, by having uh, Apollo Crews in a one on one match against. Uh, Akam and uh, he able to uh, pull off uh, the uh, singles victory first uh, victory for either member of Titus Worldwide in a while here on Raw or just in general uh, after a, a little bit of a distraction on Akam uh, allowed Cruz to come from underneath and get uh, a roll up uh, victory out of the corner and did nothing more to really infuriate uh, the authors of pain, which will lead to an even more pathetic destruction of Titus Worldwide eventually. What what I could, could see actually happening here is eventually a situation where they build it up so much, making you think that Titus Worldwide stands a chance to beat the authors of pain, but then in the end, Dana Brooke turns on Apollo and Titus and becomes the manager of AOP. And I know it's not the most likely scenario in the world, but would be an interesting plot twist because at uh, some point everything runs its course and you got to think at some point the 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 uh, whole statistician gimmick for Dana Brooke is going to run its course. Plus, they're going to need uh, more heel uh, women on Monday Night Raw eventually to add to the women's division. The other thing that happened with the tag division is there was an in-ring uh, interview with uh, the the current Raw tag team divi- tag team champions, the B team, 
uh, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. And um, it, first of all, it was a horrible promo as it was a horrible interview because Curtis Axel just seemed all out of breath. Him and and Bo were uh, just kind of rambling on about nonsense until Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy appeared out of nowhere and uh, ran them down in one of their typical creepy promos, leading to an appearance by The Revival uh, saying that, oh, it's now their time to get a shot at the B-team, which was your typical oh promo just to set up a match situation. At least it wasn't, at least it wasn't done... Uh, at the uh, top of this show, and it was saved for like the third hour for something like this to be done. We saw you know, an abbreviated match uh, between uh, these uh, two sides, uh, which uh, saw the you know, Hardy and uh, Wyatt continue their uh, slow uh, but sure. Uh, fall down from grace. They've lost uh, a ton of momentum in recent weeks with all the singles and tag team losses they've had to the B team, including losing back-to-back tag team title matches. And now they lose uh, to a uh, team in the Revival, a team that should be getting more runs, should be getting more of a look on Monday Night Raw. And the this match did a lot to help uh, reintroduce them into con- contention, which they've been uh, out of in the last several months. A lot of it due to injuries, poor luck on their behalf. But now um, maybe they'll be the next challengers for the B team. But it it, it just it doesn't make sense why the creative keeps uh, trying to uh, capitalize on this on this goof. Uh, team known as the B team but hopefully uh, no you put them in there with uh, Dawson and Wilder it will remind everyone that hey when these guys are healthy they're a really good team and they uh, could be the team that knocks off the B team I, I know it would be kind of a quick thing for them to lose the tag titles like that but my thought has always been the second that the B team won the tag titles, that they weren't going to lose a match until someone defeated them for the champ- championship. And hopefully that happens relatively soon because I mentioned this last week, I'll mention it again. At least on SmackDown, you have an actual sign, an actual direction of where things are going in their tag team division. On Raw, you have these ridiculous things like throwing. AOP and Titus Worldwide together in a feud that no one cares about. And then the B team can't even cut a real legitimate promo. And you keep making us trying to make us believe that they're a big team by having them defeat the deleters of world each week, now killing any of their momentum. And now uh, we're supposed to believe that uh, they can legitimately go up against uh, the top guys in Dawson and Wilder. I mean, that someone someone's got to get a clue when it comes to writing the Raw t- uh, tag team division creative for that because whatever they're uh, is running through their mind just does not make sense. And quite frankly, it's not working. 
Now, I talked a couple minutes ago about spots on Raw where they're, you know, just short segments but used to fill time. We saw one rather short segment last night that actually justified its purpose. And that was the uh, very short match between Braun Strowman and Jinder Mahal. As you remember last week, Jinder Mahal was brought in as uh, a guy that was uh, kind of uh, supposed to be a calming presence for Strowman uh, in the idea for from Corbin and Owens. And uh, he, he's been doing this whole, like, shanty, these breathing exercises is, uh, the last couple of weeks as a, a, a soling uh, therapy for uh, different guys in the back, though none of the wrestlers seem to be listening to his advice on this. So after attacking uh, Mahal and uh, Sunil Singh last week, uh, Jinder was going to want revenge on the monster amongst men. But the match didn't go very long because about a minute or two into it, Kevin Owens appeared ringside and grabbed the Money in the Bank briefcase, taunting uh, the big man, even leading to a funny sequence where Braun's chasing him around the ring. Kevin Owens, as he's passing Sunil Singh, tosses the briefcase to him and... Braun Strowman runs him over as if it's a, a Mack truck smashing into a small child. Just leaves Sunil Singh flattened on the ground. Even uh, frustrating Braun to the point where after he picked up his briefcase, he uh, uh, chased Kevin Owens up the rampway. But it kind of led to what they're trying to play off in the storyline here because Braun chases Kevin Owens backstage. The match was still going on. And the referee counted out Braun Strowman, giving a count-out victory for Jinder Mahal. The whole purpose here is to play off what's coming at SummerSlam. Remember, Braun Strowman has to put his Money in the Bank briefcase on the line in his match against Kevin Owens. And if Kevin Owens wins, no matter whether it's pinfall, submission, disqualification, or count-out... He gets the money in the bank briefcase. He becomes Mr. Money in the Bank. Uh, so it, it's trying to play off the fact here that if Braun Strowman, for even one second, loses his focus uh, and uh, doesn't uh, stick to the task at hand, he could uh, just as easily lose uh, the briefcase via disqualification or countout. One thing that... I was surprised they didn't announce this last night because you saw Kevin Owens come up to Baron Corbin backstage concerned that, oh, what if Braun tries to cash in money in the bank tonight if Brock Lesnar comes out to the ring? One thing I'm surprised they didn't announce there is that until SummerSlam, the money in the briefcase Money in the Bank briefcase, excuse me, is frozen and that it can't be cashed in. I'm uh, extra surprised that that stipulation was not put in place here because he could have last night came out and confronted Brock Lesnar, cashed it in right then and there. Although that would have been a kind of a cheesy, crappy way for Brock to lose the title if Braun had cashed it in uh, 
without it being an actual planned scheduled match, which has been my idea from the get-go here. But they're definitely trying to play up the idea of that Braun could lose the briefcase without getting pinned by Kevin Owens. I just don't see it happening because that would be kind of a uh, buzzkill, if you want to say, in the, the great momentum that's been built toward Braun Strowman becoming champion eventually because you know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time until Braun Strowman is universal champion and we see the headline on the WWE Network or WWE.com, Monster of the Universe. Brock Lesnar's appearance was not the only return we were eagerly anticipating last night on Raw. It was also the return of Ronda Rousey from her month-and-a-half-long suspension. Remember, a week got added on to that after she uh, continuously interfered with Monday Night Raw and Extreme Rules. But see, in the end, she got what she wanted, and that was a match with Alexa Bliss. So she was um, uh, more than willing to serve the extra week of suspension before coming back last night in support of her uh, good friend Natalia. Natalia, who was going to be going one on one with Alicia Fox, kind of serving this week as uh, Raw Women's Champion Alexa Bliss's sidekick with uh, the fact that Mickey James supposedly, I guess, suffered an injury over uh, the weekend at one of their house shows. I'm not sure if it was a legitimate injury or, or if this is just a work, but Fox is now being used in this spot. And what I found interesting, the, the match itself between Alicia Fox and Natalia didn't do much to inspire this was all to play up the rivalry between uh, Bliss and Rousey, with both of them being ringside for this match. What I found interesting is the total lack of interest by the crowd in the two competitors that were actually part of the match. Because Natalia comes out for the match, no reaction whatsoever. No negative reaction, no positive reaction. The crowd was essentially quiet. She stands there at the top of the rampway. Her music stops. Rhonda's music begins, and the place lit up. The crowd was so jacked and amped to see uh, Rhonda Rousey back, confronting her, uh, uh, joining her friend uh, for this matchup. Uh, you saw Alicia Fox then uh, come out, and she was. Uh, accompanied by Raw Women's Champion Alexa Bliss. Bliss, who got legitimate heat as she came to the ring, but while Fox didn't really get any attention at all, people were more concentrated on ringside of, oh, when are uh, Bliss and Rousey going to uh, get into it? And you uh, uh, figured that uh, uh, Bliss was going to cause some uh, sort of... uh, interference uh, at some point. The The thing about it is Fox uh, kind of uh, initiated things with uh, uh, Ronda Rousey, which 
allowed for the momentary distraction for Bliss to hit Natalia and allow Fox to get the victory. But it was after the match what was the story here because Ronda obviously heated her friend, uh, lost the match, and uh, Bliss and Fox used underhanded tactics to win the, the match. Uh, Rousey gets in the ring and... Uh, takes out Fox, then uh, goes after her uh, future SummerSlam opponent here, uh, only to uh, be on the receiving end of an attack by Alicia Fox, who kept picking her up and throwing her, just whipping her like she was a baseball bat at the ring barricade, leaving her on uh, laying on the outside as uh, both her and uh, Alexa Bliss left to a chorus of booze. But that set up something that we've all eagerly looked forward to, and that's Ronda Rousey's first match on Monday Night Raw, which will take place next week when she goes one-on-one with Alicia Fox, who in all likelihood will have um, Alexa Bliss in her corner. But this will be used as a way for Ronda to send a message toward Bliss before SummerSlam and just flat-out annihilate Alicia Fox, allow her to take out some of her rage after Fox uh, got the better end of things against her last night. Seth Rollins came into Raw last night looking to finally get retaliation on Drew McIntyre after costing him the Intercontinental Championship weeks ago, and then a couple of weeks uh, later, his rematch at Extreme Rules, the Iron Man match against uh, Dolph Ziggler. Finally got his opportunity to seek out revenge with a one-on-one match against uh, uh, McIntyre. Though it wasn't going to be easy because A, you had Dolph Ziggler ringside, and B, McIntyre's just... <laughs> an insanely large man. I mean, they say he's 6'4". He he does not look 6'4". He looks bigger than that. I mean, he he was not this big the first time he was in WWE. It feels like he's even bigger than he was when he was at NXT. He's, he's definitely uh, more focused and more ferocious than he was during his uh, first run. And... Uh, has shown that in these uh, last couple months being back on Monday Night Raw. Uh, seized control of this match uh, early on against Seth Rollins when there was that crazy uh, sequence outside the ring. He catches Seth when he tried to dive through the ropes, uh, drops him on the ring barricade with a spine buster, and then uh, throws him under the ring, uh, pulling up up throat first into the exposed uh, metal that exists under the ring apron affecting Rollins throughout the rest of the match you know, uh, Seth though of course uh, battled back made it somewhat of a match I even uh, got to uh, the point where it looked like he was going to pull off the victory by uh, hitting the curb stomp on Drew McIntyre but that's when uh, Dolph Ziggler Entered the ring and got disqualified. Got Drew disqualified, but uh, it was all just 
know, done as a way to continue to frustrate Seth Rollins because you couldn't have Drew McIntyre lose this match. You couldn't have Seth Rollins lose this match. So the disqualification outcome was the only way here because Seth's trying to build momentum toward his rematch with the uh, Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam. Drew's been on a great roll, and I think if you're going to have him uh, get pinned eventually, it's got to be in a big pay-per-view match, not in just a kind of a, a grudge match on Monday Night Raw. And you know, Seth afterwards was able to show that he can overcome the numbers game when you know, both uh, uh, Ziggler and McIntyre were attacking him. Over overcame that momentarily, uh, causing them to uh, uh, back up up the rampway, but eventually uh, got the worst hand of things backstage when he was being interviewed by Renee Young and Ziggler McIntyre attacked him there, even uh, McIntyre delivering a stiff right hand to the face while uh, Seth was being held on the ground. And now, what I'm surprised about all this is that there hasn't been some kind of stipulation set for this match at SummerSlam. Uh, being as they just had an Iron Man match a couple of weeks ago, and now they're they're continuing this feud, giving Seth another opportunity at the Intercontinental title, and there's no stipulation such as, I don't know, Drew being banned from ringside or making this a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. I figured they'd follow one stipulation matchup with having another stipulation uh, put on top of this one. But, no, hopefully this lives up to uh, the hype because I, I was disappointed by, on their Iron Man match at Extreme Rules. I was expecting a back-and-forth match, not something where Seth gets the early advantage and Drew uh, interferes and, and allows... Uh, him to be a sitting duck for Dolph Ziggler to tie things up again and then uh, Drew interferes in uh, overtime of it. Th these two guys, they could have a show stealer at SummerSlam if given the proper time and done the, the proper way. No sh BS shenanigans ringside by McIntyre. I mean, Seth, Seth Rollins is called the, the architect for a reason. Dolph Ziggler is known as the show off for a reason. Let these guys show off. Let these guys build a great quality match at uh, SummerSlam. Some a match that no, we're talking about saying that hey, that on any other night that could be the main event of a pay per view. Finish up today with talking about what we've been waiting for for a while, and that's. Finally, an appearance on Monday Night Raw by Universal Champion Brock Lesnar. We saw him at the very top of the show. He was talking to his advocate, Paul Heyman, backstage in his uh, locker room before Roman Reigns came out to the ring, not wanting to waste any more time, call out Brock Lesnar for a confrontation. Only problem is, Brock wasn't ready to come out. Brock didn't want to come out, was only going to come out on his own time if he felt like it. Um, words of his advocate, Paul Heyman, who came out to address uh, Roman Reigns. And they had a little bit of a back and forth there, including with uh, Paul bringing up how uh, Roman uh, keeps 
saying that he's the uncrowned universal champion, how he uh, is uh, saying that his feet touched the floor first in the cage match when he speared Brock through the cage, yet then bringing up how uh, Brock has made it his goal that he's going to become a two-sport champion by going back to UFC and uh, winning the heavyweight championship to unify that with the WWE Universal Championship. Uh, Their words, not mine. Then Lesnar, uh, or should I say Roman Reigns, going as far as saying, yeah, Lesnar's going back to UFC, but he's going to be going back known as Roman's bitch, which actually drew a great reaction from the crowd. And you started to see maybe WWE has figured out the formula of how to get the crowd behind Roman Reigns in this feud with Brock Lesnar. They've been trying for three years, and they might have finally found the answer because all throughout the night, Brock Lesnar played off the role of the entitled champion, uh, kind of acting like an asshole backstage, even talking down to Paul Heyman, sitting there in his locker room saying how uh, he doesn't watch the show, so he had no idea what uh, Reigns said about him out at the ring, uh, throwing his weight around, ordering uh, Heyman around, saying that he didn't want to be there, he would... uh, he wanted him to deliver him food, like uh, a uh, fresh-cooked steak, um, amongst other things. Even when Heyman was ordered to bring Lesnar to the ring or his contract would be terminated, Lesnar got furious at Heyman when he was informed about that and even uh, uh, in- intimidated Paul Heyman, even uh, somewhat choked him to the ground before later in the show when it looked like the, we were going to possibly be setting up for the confrontation between Reigns and Lesnar. Kurt Angle was informed by Stephanie McMahon that he has to throw Roman Reigns out of the building to uh, protect the main event for SummerSlam. R- Roman uh, left a little bit of a receipt behind by attacking uh, Constable Baron Corbin on his way out. But late in the show, Kurt came to the ring with Corbin looking uh, for uh, Paul Heyman, demanding that the champion make an appearance. And it looked like Brock Lesnar was not going to be coming out to the ring. Paul Heyman had come out by himself. Looked like he was going uh, to uh, be... uh, getting fired uh, by saying that the Beast would not be showing up. Uh, And even leading to Paul Heyman sucking up to Kurt Angle, begging him uh, to uh, uh, let him keep his job uh, by agreeing with Kurt when Kurt said that, oh, uh, Brock Lesnar is the worst universal champion ever. He he doesn't care about this business. He never shows up, doesn't do anything for the fans. Before finally Brock Lesnar appeared, his music played, he came out, and the crowd was really on him. He drew a lot of heat. They saw him, how much of an ass he, he had been all night. Plus, let's add into it, 
the people have grown tired of the fact the Universal Champion is not on the show. The, the, what they've uh, pulled off with not having him appear in four months, it's worked to get the heat against him. It's worked to get the fans booing him because he used to come out, the, the, uh, the fans would be chanting Suplex City, the place would be going nuts when his music played. Now... They play him off as the entitled asshole, and uh, it's gotten the fans uh, to turn on him. Even by having him turn on his own advocate, by choking him backstage, choking him in the ring, uh, having him attack Kurt Angle by giving Kurt the F5 and leaving Kurt laying in the middle of the ring to end the show, it, you heard a chant that we haven't heard in a long time on Monday Night Raw. The crowd chanting, we want Roman. Maybe, just maybe, I'm, I, can't, I can't guarantee this, but maybe they figured out the formula to get Ro the fans on Roman Reigns' side by playing up Brock Lesnar as big of an asshole as you possibly can. Not having him show up on Raw, refusing to defend the championship, only wanting to come out on his time if he felt like it. Playing off this entitled guy who's threatening to leave with the championship and go back to uh, mixed martial arts, it it's working. They've they've gotten the crowd either to be fully against Brock Lesnar or to be in support of Roman Reigns. We'll see more as the weeks go on here. And as we get to SummerSlam, what the reaction is going to be at the Barclays Center, whether the crowd is on Roman's side or they're just in so much hatred of Brock Lesnar that they don't give a damn over who uh, beats him at this point. But the, a formula has been set on how to uh, uh, get the crowd to sympathize for Roman Reigns. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out through the weeks to come leading up to the biggest party of the summer. For this Tuesday, July 31st, 2018, I'm M3, and that was my opinion. I'll be back tomorrow with a reaction and recap for SmackDown Live, as well as throughout the week, I'll have a couple more podcasts on sports with everything going on today, including the uh, MLB trade deadline coming up at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Remember, follow me on Twitter, as well as check out my other podcast, Keeping It Sports with M3. You can find that on facebook.com slash Keeping It Sports with M3. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Peace.